Hi there. This is a series of podcasts coming your way through this whole week. And the studio today, as our very first guest, we have Mrs. Timmy Tepet Oguni. And uh, she'll be sharing on a lot of queries about and around loss and pain. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Chutes. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much for the support for this campaign and Chop and Chat in general. We are very, very, we feel very, very lucky to know you. <laughs> I'm happy to serve. Thank you very much. So um, we know that you go by Happy Teacher. It's like your nickname. And, yes. Um, yes. And uh, you wear a lot of caps, including being a social and emotional intelligent enthusiast. But then we don't know so much about the other caps. Do you mind telling us about that? Okay, so um, it's interesting. Thank you for having me once again. Yes, I do wear many hats. And the one being the happy teacher is quite interesting because it seems deceptive. And I say that because one of my daughters one time had said, mom, remember you're the happy teacher, you can't afford to be sad. And I say, no, because I'm happy doesn't mean I can't express my emotions. And so that I kind of like had to explain. So yes, this happy teacher is also a teacher. I teach um, French presently at Green Spring School, Ecoe Campus. I also run an online tutoring firm where I teach English, French, and Yoruba. So basically languages. I'm not sure I want to learn any more, but this ones <laughs> that I've learned, I tutor and I MC events, I host events. I'm also invited to speak. Like I've spoken at the Chalk and Chat events before. I run um, the Teacher Self-Care Hub, where interestingly, today's topic is one of the reasons why I actually launched the Teacher Self-Care Hub last year, because it had to do with my experience and I needed to be able to share with others and let them know that they're not alone. I also run a network called the African Teacher's Voice. Basically, I want to use my voice to be able to spread the good word that teachers are doing in Africa. If we don't tell our stories ourselves, who will tell it? So that's about it for now. Well, that's that's a very full CV right there. Well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. And um, good job. Just keep going. Um, it's... I, I think it's interesting what you do, especially because it seems like everything just focuses around people and emotions. I, I do you mind me asking how this all started for you? And um, yeah, or maybe I should start okay. from how maybe I should start from how has COVID nineteen um, period been, or maybe you talk about how it all started, and then also talk about how you've been coping with the whole COVID-19 situation. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'll go to how it all started. Um, I remember it was actually even at a chop and chat event that was, um, December two years ago. Spoken. Yes. That I had spoken for the first time about how 
Yes, people know me as the happy teacher, but not many people know that the happy teacher might not necessarily be a happy person. And so what had happened for me was I have always developed coping mechanisms because I'd gone on my journey of self-discovery and social and emotional intelligence had taught me how to respond and not react. And so for me, teaching was my happy place. And so I would always run in there whenever I was overwhelmed. So for any time I am teaching, I am training, I am tutoring, I forget every other thing. When I'm done, I'm like, okay, back to life, back to reality. And so it was people around me that noticed that I was always excited when I was talking about teaching and my students and what I do. And that's how I actually got the name, The Happy Teacher, and it stopped. Because I actually have several other nicknames as well. (laughs) And so, like I said, it wasn't necessarily that I was a happy person. And I remember saying that day that you invited me to speak chop and chat which is an event by the way chooks and your team well done for all you do for everybody to help them become better because you know mental health is yeah people are starting to talk about it now but it's still going to take us a lot of time to get to that part where we know that it is not a taboo it is not a disease Everybody actually has mental health. It is now on the side of the spectrum where you fall. Is your mental health good or is it bad and you need help? You understand what I mean? Yes. So we shouldn't shy away from it. But of course, because not many people can talk. So people like us who don't mind being the voice, you know, of other people now have people coming to talk to us behind and saying, oh, thank you for sharing your story. I'm actually going through this and all of that. So um, for me, that was about it. I wasn't always a happy person. I had been with, but because I could run into that happy place, I could cope. But I told myself, I actually wanted to be a really happy person. And then the journey began. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's quite interesting. Thank you. Yeah. So, so you, um, um, I remember very, very vividly you were one of our very first guests um, on the offline edition of Chop and Chats, and that was in Lagos. Yes. yes. So I remember very vividly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much once again. You've you've been our day one support system, <laughs> and we are very we are really really lucky to have you. And thank you for always thank you for always having me. I'm also glad to share because I know that even if it's just one person that picks something up, that person can help us have the snowball effect, such that that person also shares with, and then one other person shares with one other person. That way, many people are coming to know about these things, and then they're free to talk about them. Not from a place of judgment, but from a place of, oh, now I know. So what can I do? What are, what are the next steps? Who can I speak to? How do I seek for professional help? And all of that. Mm, true. Okay, thank you very much. So let's dive into how you've been um, coping this um, pandemic period. Okay. Um, so because I teach and my school... Um, 11 weeks non-stop now we have been teaching online i know there are some schools who 
are still not, you know, used to the remote learning stuff and they're not having the virtual learning environment. But for us, yeah. it has worked nonstop since the lockdown began, which was, I think, towards the end of March. Yeah. And so for us, back to back. Yes, oh, Lagos State government says, oh, school hasn't resumed, but we have been engaging our students and we, of course, have been going through trainings. There have been mistakes. We're learning to use this tool. We're making mistakes. We're having meetings and all of that. But the truth is every single day is an opportunity to learn, even from the mistakes we're making. And so everything that I have learned in this period, of course, nobody's going to take it away from me. But True. the truth was initially, you know, when everybody was having all the webinars and then the Zoom calls and everything, I was wondering what was going on. Many people hadn't internalized what was going on. And so it could have been from a place of, oh, I don't want this thing to weigh me down. So let me just keep moving. Or mm. I'm in denial. So I'm just going to act like it's... And so for me, it was a case of, okay, guys, this is not normal. This is new for everyone because I don't think there's anybody in this generation that has experienced a pandemic. Yes, we heard of the stories of when it happened some, you know, years ago, maybe almost like 100 years ago and all of that. So it's yeah. going to be only very few people that have experienced it. And maybe they were even still young, so they do not even really understand everything that is going on. And so for us, it was a case of, we also had many people who didn't know what was happening. And so some were going to take advantage of it. So everybody was going to rush to do the Instagram live, to do the everything. Oh, this is how to cope in a pandemic. And I'm like thinking, you haven't experienced one before. How do you want to tell me how to cope? And you exactly. know, I'm somebody who is, so I'm kind of like a story that you know, my experiences have shaped me and I'm doing a lot of unlearning and relearning. And I do not forget to tell people that there is nothing you would hear me say. If you go into any search engine online, you probably would hear it. So many people have said it decades before. What you will be hearing hmm. from me is my own side of the story from my own exposure, my environment, and my experience. So mm. my perspective is different from that of whoever it is that said it before me or is going to say it after me, all based on where I'm coming from. So there's also the tendency that I am biased. It will tell from whatever angle I'm speaking from. I don't know if you know this six and nine thing that they usually tell us to do when we're talking perspectives, where they write six on the floor and then the other person looking at it on the other side is seeing a nine. Yeah. Just telling us that, look, it depends on what angle you're looking at it from. I made a post um, recently, some days ago, and I talked about how we do not see things. It's obviously a quote, but I mentioned it and I said, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. Hmm. And so looking at, let me use my, so I like sharing my stories, my experiences. I have two daughters. Now, interestingly, these two girls, I call them my North South Pole. They are in no way alike. Chooks, I think you've met my daughters before. 
Yes, I am. They are in no way alike. One is like me now, is everywhere, bubbly, will speak a mind. She is not intimidated. But my second daughter is the way I was growing up. Exactly. So even my siblings say I'm weird. How did I move from that one person that wasn't going to talk to anybody, that wanted a space, that was very melancholic, to this person who's going to keep talking and not keep quiet and just wants to fix everybody. That's actually one of my nicknames as well. They call me Fixer. <laughs> and just wants to sort everybody out. And so I look at my daughters and I usually say that God is humorous and hilarious. He just says, you know what? I'm going to show you a picture of your life so that you can help the people that come your way. And so I always let people know that whatever it is you're exposed to, should not give you a sense of, um, how do I put it now? Like a limiting belief that, oh, because I've done a temperament test and they said I'm phlegmatic and all. Look, you can create the life you want, my dear, depending on when you have found purpose or your passion or whatever it is you have been through. Because each and every one of us have what God has called us to do. Some of us just haven't recognized it. I didn't start my own journey of self-discovery until I was about 36. There's the tendency for some people to look at me and say, I'm a late bloomer, but uh-uh. Whenever I wake up is when I wake up. And so now that I am awake, you cannot tie me down. You cannot stop me. I am on a mission. But then there are some other people who, from a very young age, my older daughter was 10 when she started public speaking. She spoke to a a, a crowd of about 1,500 people, all adults. I wouldn't hmm. face anybody when I was 10. My younger daughter is, if you put her on stage, she's going to remove herself. But we call her our think tank because she would internalize everything and come back to you maybe two weeks after and say, you know that thing you were talking about the other day? And we're like, oh my God. So she was actually so... So each and every one of us have our um how do i put it now how um what god has sent us to do right yes and because i am on my own journey i'm on my own lane i'm on my own mission i'm not going to let anybody pull me down so yes the social media where i'm seeing people doing stuff and all of that and i'm like oh i could do this or whoa no we're on different journeys and so you know for me like i said just now this covid 19 19 sorry whole thing was a case of um i'm not in a position to tell guys who have decided to act on it quickly to calm down no that's how they know how to deal with it i'm also not in a position to tell the guys who are in denial to wake up i will come from my own perspective and say guys this is what i think about the situation and so i was able to deal with it by realizing first of all i took a break like I wasn't going to attend any seminar or anything. And then when I was able to say, okay, so wait, this is what it's going to be for a while. Mm. You know what? You have to, you know, keep going. I have mm. been able to manage my emotions, my feelings, and, you know, share with my network saying, look, everybody, you will be fine. Just take your time. Don't let anybody put pressure on you. Don't let anybody rush you. Initially, I wasn't going to do much. Of course, work had to continue. 
studying online. But every yeah. other thing for me was kind of like too much and I didn't want to get overwhelmed. So I kind of like calmed down. So yes. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I like the fact that you um, pointed out that people uh, seem to have different ways of dealing with things because the aim of this um, series of podcasts really is to put some perspective into the effect of this whole period. So we've had the um, COVID-19 pandemic that has led to some loss of jobs and even loss of lives. And then we've had yes. yeah, we've had the rape saga as well um, in Nigeria yeah. for, the past, for the past weeks. Yeah, so a lot of people are dealing with this pain and loss. And um, I think one of the things um, that we are seeing is people dealing with it in very, very different ways and there's a fear yeah so there's a fear that people would um deal with it in the wrong way and heal in the wrong way so uh, Mm. which is exactly so the whole aim of this um campaign is to help people see different perspectives and lead them towards healing the right way which brings me to um a, a question i want to ask you about loss and pain and really ask if there's a proper way so i know if you've said that there are different ways to heal but then especially when you talk about losing a job um your source of livelihood and um having the whole especially in nigeria with the challenging economy and all is there a right way yeah. to just take the shock of losing a job or losing the loved one and um I, I don't know is there a right way to just take the shock to live through it um okay so like i said um there is actually no right or wrong way to deal with stuff. Though is many of us have not been able to check our adversity quotient level. Now you know we've heard before, which is our intelligence quotient, right? Yeah. We of EQ, our emotional quotient, which is emotional intelligence. There's even yeah. DQ so tend to teach the children because now everybody's online, so it's your digital quotient and how to navigate, you know, the online terrain and all. But there's yeah. also AQ, which is the adversity quotient. The reason why some people will not be able to come out of grief and loss is because their adversity quotient is low. Now, how is this built? If I have not been taught to be resilient, if I have not been taught to face things that come my way, and maybe I have parents who are overprotected and want to shield me from life, interestingly, they have good intentions, not allowed me face life in itself because, guys, life is life. Life will happen. I remember my dad told me because I'm orphaned now and my dad said way back then, he said, there is for everybody, of course, that's the way he saw it. There is for everybody different seasons and different periods. And so you know how um, we have abroad the four different seasons, but of course in Nigeria, we just have the two main ones. Yes we tend to kind of like look at these seasons and say, oh, so where am I at the moment? 
what is happening to many people is they're not identifying these things so they can't even name them they can't even say this is how they feel they can't say this is what is going on i can tell you when i feel outraged and i can tell you when i i know the difference tell you when I am terrified and I can tell you when I'm just moody or when I'm just sad. I can name these feelings and I allow them. Yesterday, interestingly, I snapped in the evening and my younger daughter said, mom, tell me what happened. You just snapped and I can tell. And so maybe because I kind of like have that knowledge, I'm also using the language of my daughters and I'm telling them, use your words, express yourselves. But many people can't do this. So it's actually even difficult to be able to put it in words. So they lash out and then they react. And that, that's when somebody will, will maybe go and jump in the lagoon or because they can say this is how they feel. So I'm thinking there is no right way per se, but people should begin at this moment to understand that all their emotions are valid on the spectrum wherever it falls i'm happy today i'm excited i'm overjoyed i'm ecstatic i'm sad i'm mad i'm angry whatever it is begin to name it begin to identify it do not suppress it so that you respond and you do not react to things around you so i'm sitting here now and two sources of income were affected during this covid 19 period I sat down and I talked to my daughters and I'm like, ah, babes, <laughs> we have to make adjustments. So we're going to deny ourselves of some things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because money is not coming in like it was coming before. But on the other hand, we have to start thinking of pivoting. What can I start doing? In the midst of the two sources of income depleting, I get a pay cut. Wow. Life is going to continue. People are going to see me online and not know this because I am pretending, but because I understand how to manage these things. Just like I said, yesterday I snapped. It doesn't mean because I'm a social and emotional intelligence enthusiast, I wouldn't snap. It doesn't mean I won't feel angry and things like that. But managing it is easy for me because I have identified it. So I would say people should start with identity so that then they can cope with it. Then they can know who to speak. Then they can know what to do. Do I want to take a walk? Do I want to calm down? Do I want to sleep? Do I want to listen to music? Then I will deal with it later. But I'm not going to hide it under the carpet because by the time I raise that rug, the dust might cause asthma. And so, hmm. the, you know, it will be worse. So I will say that people should start with identifying how they cope with stuff do it and then you know one day at a time i would also say breathe 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 hmm. interesting great okay so i'm um, talking about coping talking about putting names to it i know that there are stages of grief i know that there are um so it comes like in stages and i also read that um they don't necessarily come they don't necessarily like there's no necessary disconnect between one stage and another so i don't know if you can speak to that probably that helps someone out there um put their pain in perspective yeah 
Yes, you're you're right. You know, just like we all have different makeups and temperaments and the way we're wired. Also, you know, when we look at the nature and nurture part of us, where yeah. this I have genes from my parents, so sometimes I act like my dad, even though I don't like it. I see that I probably walk like my mom. I do stuff like that. So that's nature. I got that from them. I had no control over it. And then nurture, the environment where I find myself and the way my parents allowed me to express myself. Did they tell me, shut up when I wanted to speak? Or did they listen to me? And things like that. All of these things, we cannot remove them from how people deal with grief and then these phases and stages of grief. So just like you said, for individuals, it's going to be different. In family, so let's even pick twins, for instance. There yeah. is there is the twin A and then twin B. And because they kind of like have maybe different temperaments, even if they're identical and all of that, the way they would view, maybe the way their parents reacted to them, to them might be different so one might say i have a feeling daddy loves so let me just say um jack and jill right for the purpose yep. of this analogy so jill says it's unfair dad loves jack more because when he speaks to her he doesn't shout at her the way he shouts at me and all of that and jack is thinking wait why is dad actually taking more interest in Jill because the way he's firm with him, he likes him more and all of that. <laughs> and so, you see, our own interpretation of whatever it is happening around us or what people do to us also determines how we would react. So some people, the initial stage will be shocked, like, no, 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 this just didn't happen to me. And that's why when some things happen to some people, they can't even express, they can't even say anything. You know, in the first few minutes, they're, you know, it's more like, wait, that didn't just happen. And so sometimes they might now, okay, wait, that didn't just happen. So then they're in denial. It might not happen like that for everybody, just like you said. Then there's the bit of, wait, why would that happen to me? Why would that happen to me? That not fair no and then they become angry and then start lashing out at people and then they probably even take out the anger on other people and that thing that hurts them they now start doing to people then there's also now be the stage of okay wait um how do i deal with this i can't always always you know do this because this happened to me of course not everybody also gets to that stage and yeah. so there's a bit of bargaining after, you know, going back and forth and saying, um, maybe I should deal with it this way, but no, but it's unfair, but no. Other people, because life is not fair. Why did it happen to me and all of that? And some people can't deal with it. There's probably nobody to talk to. And then they fall into a state of depression, hmm. which is really terrible. So people are looking at them and thinking, what's wrong with you? Are you the only one that was, so for instance, you talked about the rape issue. Are you the only one that was raped before? Eh, what? Is it a new thing? Is it a big deal? And then someone that comes out to talk about her experience is being shamed 
And then the recent things that we're hearing now is being bullied and things like that. So that person doesn't know how to handle it. Some people at this point probably commit suicide. Some people at this point run away from home. Some people at this point, that's where you find them under the streets and then they start taking drugs and things like that. Who do we even blame for all of these things? Then some people get over and say, okay, this has happened to me. I think maybe I should start talking about it. Maybe I'll find my healing. I can even start helping other people overcome it. So for instance, I talked about starting my teacher self-care hub because yes. of my personal experience. So maybe I've also gone through the stages of, oh no, why did I have to go through all of this? Two, why not? Because God will not give me much more than I can handle. It's not like it's fun when I'm going through it. Now that I've been able to pass through it and I have come out stronger with the comfort that which I was comforted, I can now comfort other people. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, thank you very much. That's that's quite that's quite insightful. I I particularly like how you deeply explained each of them. I. I have not heard it that way before, really. I, so I have read it, but then you're explaining in such a very interesting way. Thank you very much. I guess Thank it's, you. Yeah, I mean, there are teachers and then there are teachers. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Then um, I want to talk about faith. So Nigeria is actually a quite religious country and um, we cannot neglect the play of faith when it comes to grief, when it comes to um, um, passing through loss and dealing with pain. And then sometimes there's a question of, uh, is, is this a test? Is God testing me? Or um, just questions around faith. Is God angry with me? Uh, did I sin? Is this punishment? And stuff like that. So I would like you to speak to this. Um, how does this affect healing? Does it slow down the process? Does it help um, the process get better? And is there really a answer to this kind of question okay i'll i'll use my experience to explain a bit um so so how, how long do we have i don't want to keep going on and on so that you just let oh, no. me know Wait, it's, it's fine we'll, yeah it's, it's fine we have okay. like uh maybe two three more two questions more and then we'll be done okay yeah. okay okay um so I would use my personal experience, like I said. I was um, quite young when um, thieves came to our house. I think I was in primary school, if I remember clearly. And um, thieves came to our house and they shot my dad. And we were quite young and I remember we were picking pieces of his bones. He he didn't die, but his leg was um, eventually amputated and my dad there is nobody that can tell me anything he died 14 years ago but my dad is an angel i am not going to speak of him in past tense no that man is an angel I think about all the things he went through and all of that. So I'm young and I'm like, okay, of the few things that I have heard about his growing up and the things he has been through, he shouldn't be the one going through this. God, why are you allowing this to happen? 
This guy out of 20-something children that his dad had is the only Christian. He decided to leave everything to follow you and you will still let this happen to him. No, God, you are partial in my opinion. I was still in primary school and I had beef with God. Serious beef. I'm like, there are wicked people out there. Why don't you let that happen to them? And then why is it my dad, after everything he has had? And interestingly, it was an accident he had. And the story was quite interesting. He ended up giving his life to Christ. And then there were battles and things like that. You know, because you're talking about faith and because I'm a Christian, that's why, you know, I'm going into it. And so this guy defies everything and says, I would follow Christ. But then all of this begin to happen. But now I am older, I'm wiser, I have children of my own and I'm understanding that, oh God, I get it. Yeah, sometimes I still feel you're partial because you say you would have mercy on whom you will have mercy on. But now I actually understand that you did not promise us that these things will not happen. You said you will be with us through it. But I didn't understand it back then. So there was beef with God. And then I would like mm, going because they say we should go. But God, if you do not restore my dad's leg because you told me that you have a storehouse in heaven where if I ask for anything, you will give me. So those were the things that I learned growing up. And so why wasn't he working? Who's lying to me here? This is unfair. So all of that was happening to me even before I became a teenager. And so I had serious issues with God. And then we would go for camps back then where, you know, we would be in platoons according to our ages. And there was this particular day where I just sat down and we were, I think, under different trees and, you know, different platoons according to your ages. I think I was 13 then. And I just saw a goat under a tree i think we used the nyse camp in yanopaja back then for that um camp it was called a solid foundation camp now i just saw this goat under the tree and i'm like god why didn't you just make me a goat i'm sure this is going to sound somehow i've shared this with my daughters before but i'm like look at that goat now that goat has no worries because it's even possible that it's that goat that they're going to kill for us in camp to eat But now Hmm. I'm here having to deal with a whole lot in my head, stemming from the things I was told when I was young and the things I am seeing and how life is unfair and how you God are just there and looking at us. So I was dealing with all of that and I was saying, should this be happening to me at this age? No, this isn't fair. And so this is me growing up and still with this beef. And then... I I kind of like um, fell sick. So this, maybe even about loss and pain. So aside maybe the emotional one and then losing someone, this is now that I'm dealing with. And I'm like, should I be dealing with this? Like, God, just take all of this away. You said, if I ask for anything in your name, why are you not just listening to me? God, are you not there? And, you know, all of this is happening in my head. And I'm thinking, okay, let's see. 
So I'm still struggling and then I get into university. By the way, I didn't pass JAM, so I got into university through diploma and then I did direct entry. And so when it was time for my direct entry, the options I had were because um, I was um, an art student. So the yeah. options I had were um, do law and I'm like, no way. You know when you watch African movies? <laughs> That's yes, how I would go and do that I now defended that won the case. The other party will not come to my house and shoot me. No way. I'm not doing that. There was philo- there, <laughs> there was philosophy. And my main reason for not taking philosophy was this. Because of the issue that we got, if I all of the theories and all of the philosophers and everything there was the tendency that i was going to lose faith Hmm. and it was that strong so i declined because here i am still waiting for god to answer me if you open me up to people who are going to be telling me otherwise it was going to be hard for me and i didn't want to be there I had the option of English and I'm like, why do I want to do English? I ended up doing French and, you know, so I teach French today and all of that. But I gave because I wanted you to know that if I'm in a place where I haven't had a one-on-one relationship with God and I'm still struggling and asking for answers, when things happen to me, it's going to be difficult because I'm thinking these people are lying to me. But then again, as much as I grow in faith, I'm having better understanding. You know, just like I said, when I was really young, I didn't understand why God would just be silent about what was going on with us. Yeah. But now I'm understanding that, look, he has said life will happen, my dear child. But I will not leave you nor forsake you. I would also send help your way. So now, instead of why me, I'm asking, why not me? And I'm saying, God, can you give me the strength to go through this? And so as I speak to you now, talking about pain, talking about loss, do I know it firsthand? Oh, yes. I lost home in 1999. I lost my elder sister in year 2000. And so in year 2001, I was paranoid. And so I went to meet my dad and I said, so they're coming for me next, right? So they're taking all of us one by one. And my dad Hmm. goes, nobody's coming for you. And I'm like, oh, oh, you don't see it. I see it. And it took me a while. I'm talking about over a year. So my dad comes and says, okay, I get it. When they come, I'll go instead. And so see me saying that there is no one way to tell someone how to overcome it. I was so sure some people were coming for me. Now, Mm. there's also some lies that we have sold to ourselves. So you see, this was coming from my environment. Yeah. Sick, she died. My elder sister was sick, she died. But all of a sudden, it is my village people that are coming for me. And I bought that lie for a very long time. I became paranoid. And so my dad had to step in. He says, okay, agreed, they're coming. But I will go instead. I won't let them take you. And so I kind of like calmed down for a while. But as I speak to you today, Chooks, 
Yeah. I am 42, but I am still dealing with these things. So, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, there are times when I look up and I say, God, take this thing away. But I have been able to develop coping mechanisms in talking about faith again. So maybe someone is listening and the person is probably a Muslim or the person doesn't even believe in God. The truth is, whatever story you tell yourself, whatever you have allowed overcome your mind or your thoughts will affect you either positively or negatively. So myself and my daughter some days ago, um, today is Monday. Yes. It was yesterday, not some days ago. I remember because it was Sunday. We're done online church and all of that. And then we were just talking about Como. Let's just wake up one morning and everybody says that. See, all this Jesus Christ that you people have been following and all this Christianity is a fluke. They've been lying to you. Don't you know that all those colonial masters just came to lie to us and they sold all that rubbish to us? And then all those Arabs came in through the desert back then and then they sold Islam to them. But see what they did to us. They were going from us. If, you know, Christ was like that, it wouldn't have worked and things like that. And my daughter said, hey, we like it like that. If they, have been lying, <laughs> if they have been lying to us, please, I would rather stick to this lie because I know God has been good to us. My daughters are teenagers. Like I said, I had my own battles as a teenager. They're also dealing with their own stuff. They also have questions. But they said, look, even if it's a lie, I would rather stick with this lie. I know the truth about life is my truth is not someone else's truth. My truth is probably be, be, be clouded by my perspective of life. Like I mentioned earlier about my environment, my exposure, and um, my, what's the third one? My experience. So yes, about faith, I will stick to God, even though sometimes I'm like, about God is not fair, you know. Yeah interesting interesting that's quite thank you very much that's interesting um okay so we 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 have like two questions left but then i'll just match them so that you can just run through them before we out of time so um yeah so the first one i would like that you address has to do with temporary um amnesia that comes with so you mentioned um earlier uh, when we were speaking on um, stages of grief how that sometimes people just get particular news and then they just shut off like they, they just they're just mute that's their response yes. yeah but then sometimes we see that the period of being mute is um elongated so they practically just shut off and they can't even assess that um they, they can't they don't seem to assess that um experience for a very long yeah. time yes, yes something like temporary amnesia so i would like to um hear your op- your opinion about this especially because the fact that they don't address it doesn't mean that it's not happened and that they're not passing through the effects of the loss of pain already so how yeah. they get out of this yes and then the 
last one I would like you to touch has to do with medication. So taking medications to ease with the pain and okay. the yeah and the risk of addiction. Because then um, we all agree that we just want the pain to stop, and then yeah. then we've got medications that help with the pain. And um, yeah. there's always the probability that we're going to get addicted to it. Is there a balance? Okay, um, quickly. So for amnesia, interestingly, I actually also have experience with this amnesia and then talking about medication. I actually also have a personal experience. Um, so amnesia for many people in short is memory loss. Now, you know, there is that temporary one and then there's sometimes the selective one such that I have decided to push maybe a particular one away as in somewhere deep down there i want to bury it there and just like you said does Mm. not mean it is not there and so where i just don't want to remember this thing that happened to me or maybe did it even it was a dream no and so people are in you know the stages where they're saying i'm going to maybe believe it didn't happen maybe i dreamt about it maybe whatever but what happens sometimes with people who have maybe like the temporary amnesia is so there is that part where they just want to move on but the truth is there are triggers Hmm. so I thought I had, you know, like the example I used about sweeping stuff under the rug where, boom, if there's a trigger and that rug is lifted, then maybe the memories now start flooding in and then you remember this. Or maybe let's use the example of maybe a young child that was raped and probably couldn't even tell mommy or daddy or maybe when I told mommy or daddy, they didn't believe me. And then it was me that they beat up and everything. Such a person might now begin to have, you know, issues with relationships going forward. And then maybe when there's somebody that looks like that person that, you know, abused them, there is that trigger. And then it affects other relationships that they get into and things yeah. like that. So these things need to be dealt with. And that's why it's important to seek professional help, you know, see a therapist. But then, you know, like we said, in this climb, it's not, you know, that popularized. So it's like, do I really need to see a shrink? And then why would I even go and see a shrink? And then they would want to collect Hmm. money. But it's a profession. And so they need to be paid for it. Just like we go to visit doctors when we have, you know, other sicknesses or diseases kind of you you get what i mean and so some people what causes this sort of amnesia is maybe even trauma or stress and so they're they, they begin to reject you know some thoughts and some feelings you know just like i mentioned about being overwhelmed as yeah. well i know my triggers come and, you know, I kind of like, like I'm getting better at managing it and stuff like that. So some people haven't gotten to that point. So yes, they do need help. 
my daughters also do they understand because yes you know so i'm into this because i counsel and i coach i'm a therapist but because i'm actually also working with the therapist to help me through so i'm understanding some of these things and then my daughters are my lab rats (laughs) so (laughs) I, i get to talk to them about it and then you know we express what what is going on and all of that and so they also know when stuff is going on, just like my younger daughter says, she notices I snapped yesterday. Yeah. And sometimes they, they just peep in and say, oh, are you okay? Do you want to talk now? Or should we come back? Or do you want to sleep? Sometimes they take my phone from me and say, okay, you know what? Go and sleep and then come back. Just today, my older daughter got um, ice cubes. Yeah. And she rubbed them under my eye bags. I kept telling her to leave me alone. And she says, no. You don't let us be, so we will not let you be. And so do you have people around you who also understand and can be a shoulder for you to lean on and help you through it? It's good to have people like that around you. And for whoever is listening, if you're hearing about Chop and Chat for the first time or you're listening to this podcast, yes, this is the first one. It's okay for you to reach out to the Chop and Chat team because they have professionals who will help you. Thank you. Just a shoulder to lean on. Just somebody to cry to and say, this is what I'm going through. Instead of bottling it up in, all up, and then, you know, you explode and, you know, it just boomerangs. Hmm. So that's for the um, dealing with the amnesia bit where there will be triggers that might bring it back and that's why you would hear stories of people who snapped and then someone is stabbing someone and someone is doing something because something wasn't dealt with yeah and so going to medication finally so that we can wrap up um so i mentioned that when i was a teenager i started feeling pain and i'd gone to the hospital and then so i was diagnosed with stuff that had to do with my nerves being weak And so I had um, issues with my left side. Now, it is quite interesting because the doctors, maybe because of access to quality health care in this part of the world as well, it is very expensive. So some people don't even go for checkups, you know. So I have been privileged. So I saw the doctor and then I started seeing a neurologist. I was still in secondary school then. And then I will take my medication and then I will go for my, you know, physio exercises and things like that. Mm. But after a while, I got tired and I was like, I can't keep taking medication and I can't, you know, keep doing this. But just like we talked about the amnesia beat where there will be a trigger and stuff will come out, come back up. Yeah. So I had surgery in 2018 and that nerve issue that I was dealing with as a teenager came back such that after the surgery that I had, I never had back pain, but because of the anesthetics that I was given, I now started dealing with back pain that now made my nerve pain worse. And then some other stuff that I've been, you know, dealing with. And so, you know, when we talked about amnesia, I talked about having like even a personal experience. So my daughters have noticed that I forget things. And then I have a few friends that would also make fun of me and say, ah, your old age, eh? I don't know if you even remember us and all of that. And I'm like, you guys just leave me alone. (laughs) But you know what that happened was as a very young girl, I knew I forgot things, but I had developed coping mechanisms. So you will find me. It's quite interesting that 
um, I would be going out, for instance. So let me use a practical example. There was a day I took a bus. Yeah. I wasn't mobile then. And so I had given the conductor, I think, 500 naira, and I was meant to collect 400 naira. Yeah. If I did not internalize it and keep singing it to myself, I would have forgotten. Hmm. And so that's how I have been coping for years. Remember I said I am 42 now. Yes. So when all of this happened, I spoke to my doctor after my surgery, complaining about the nerve pain that had come back, complaining about the back was never there before. And then the forgetting things being worse. And so I had to go and do three MRI scans. MRI scans are not cheap, so some people would not go for it. And so they don't even know they're going through these things. After spending over 200 and something thousand, I get my results. And everything I had suspected that I had told the doctors came out. And so Mm. here is the doctor looking at me and saying, wait, okay, we hear about the back pain. We hear about the nerve pain. We're going to manage it. There is no cure, so it's going to be palliatives for life. So when you talk about medication and addiction, firsthand, I'm talking to you, and I take meds every other day. And Mm -hmm. doctors have said it's not like we're curing anything. We're managing a condition. And so I understand it when you talk about meds, when you talk about addiction. But you know, the one about forgetting things, the doctor looks at me and says, but wait, this thing I am seeing in your MRI, it's looking different from the person sitting in front of me. And my response to him was, I know I'm smart and I know you know I'm smart. By the way, because I'm a teacher, I have no choice than to always do research and to read. And because I'm a lifelong learner, I'm either doing one course or studying. And he says, hold it there. That's why you defied your result. And so I'm saying to anybody who's probably for maybe any other reason or whatever, one thing you should do is make sure that you stay mentally active throughout your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be the way I go about books and all of that. It could be something you just love doing, you know, read new books or listen to music or start playing games. It could be one of these games on your phones or solitaire or anything. Just make sure that you are engaging your brain. This doctor Mm. looks at my results and says, you defied it. And I'm like, so yes. I hadn't done the MRI, but I knew something was wrong, but I had developed coping mechanisms. Like I said, I would internalize and, you know, keep repeating things to myself so that I don't forget. And so that has, you know, been helping me, even though, you know, I still forget stuff. And so for the medication bit, so when I got to know that I now had to be taking medication to manage my condition, I had to go and therapist and the neurologist and all of that to manage pain because pain was a 10 over 10 and is still a 10 over 10 but Mm. i tend to know how to manage and so instead of me being addicted to the medication because i had a life-changing experience 
I had taken, you know, my meds and I was going to work and it was the noise from me hitting a staff bus when I'd gotten to Ikoyi that woke me up. So I had slept off while driving. Thank God it wasn't on third mainland beach. Thank God I didn't fall into, you know, the lagoon or whatever. Thank God the accident wasn't worse. Now, I get back to the hospital and I tell the doctors, I said, this meds you're giving me are messing me up. And doctors said, so I was in between the devil and the deep blue sea. I was in terrible pain and I needed medication to stop it. If I had to go to work, I wouldn't take the medication because it was messing up with me and I was very lethargic and I wasn't active teaching. So I had to manage the pain while I was working and all of that. So I knew I couldn't work full time anymore because I can start explaining to people this is what is wrong. I'm talking to you now. You wouldn't know all of this if I didn't tell you. So this is me saying that you can it's not easy, I will not lie, but you can navigate the storms of life. You would ask yourself, what is it I am all about? Am I going to wallow in all of this or am I going to make, you know, lemonade out of my lemons? And so after my accident was when I said, you know what? I know there are many people dealing with stuff, but they don't get to talk about it. My colleagues alone, I had about four of them who said, wait, 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 I think this is it, this is it, but I don't have money for MRI, but I don't have this. And so I said, okay, you know what? We would start talking about it. We will probably get to a point where we would now start getting experts to help us deal with it. And so I told myself that I wasn't going to be dependent on drugs for my life because it was also going to have its side effects. There mm. was a day a friend of mine said, why was I looking like I was high? And my response was, because I'm high. I was on steroids. <laughs> because my pain level was massive. They had to put me on steroids. I have taken meds in this life. Oh my God, I have taken oh. meds. And so when she was laughing, she said, you're looking high. I said, I'm not looking high. I'm high. <laughs> so, you know, that is just to say that Yes, there's some people who will not be able to manage and they will get addicted. Self that I will bear the pain. So my daughters help me with massages. And then because of the lockdown, I haven't been going for my physical sessions, but you know, I do exercises. I take the stairs, I walk around, I use my yeah. hot water bottle. I even had an accident where the hot water bottle burst and then it scalded my back. The things you have to deal with. And then I also do the cryotherapy where I use ice and all of that. So, you know, devising means and all. So for whoever is listening to me, life will happen because life is life. But the truth is your life is much more than just yours. And so see how through my own pain, through my own, you know, whatever it is I've been going through, I've now started helping people. I say to you today, whatever it is, if you can reach out to someone to talk to, to help, to help you see how you can navigate the storms of life, the better for it and for it, and you will be able to also help other people. And that is it from me. Yeah. Well, wow. Thank you very much. Happy teacher. Um, it's, it's interesting to be, um, to have heard the backstory behind, or to see behind the curtain of the happy teacher. It's quite, um, 
an interesting and um, an insightful one. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. And thank you very much for being this vulnerable with us. Um, I'm sure someone out there, or a lot of people out there rather, will be very, very, um, what's the word? I don't want to use the word excited. But, <laughs> yes, but then I'm sure they will probably be encouraged. Encouraged. Great. That's the word here yeah, by this. So thank you very much once again. Um, thank very you great. for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Watch out for the next episode. In the meantime, don't forget to share this with your friends. Someone in your network might need to hear this. You can always send us feedback via the email in our profile or you can just record a message right here on this app. Once again, thank you.